How's it going, everybody? Adrian here from the Gaming Observer for the Gaming Observer podcast. It is Saturday, October the 10th, and as always, I'm joined by my esteemed co-host, Kato Sepp. Hello, Kato. Hey, how's it going? Oh, tremendously well. How are you? I'm good. I'm pulling up the Twitch stream so I can actually see chat this time. Ah. Apparently, there was chat for me last week, and I was not paying attention. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, well, I was paying attention. I was trying to reply in the chat at the time, and uh, it's kind of <laughs> hard to talk and talk into a Twitch chat at the same time. Nonetheless, uh, folks, true. if you're listening to this on the, uh, the the audio on demand, you can catch us live every Saturday, 3 p.m. Eastern, on twitch.tv slash gaming underscore observer. And uh, there should also be timestamps in the description. Uh, we try to get them up there as soon as possible. So if they're not there currently, then they should be there soon. Uh, folks, Blame me. If you see it and they're not there, it's my fault. There you go. <laughs> um, folks, today's news was fairly slow. So we're going to cover a few stories here. And then most of this episode is going to be dedicated to just talking about some fun things. Uh, some of the games that we've been playing. And uh, anyway, we've got some other things planned. So uh, first of all, let's just start with with this one. Uh, Crucible has been cancelled. If any of you are not familiar with Crucible, this is uh, the Amazon game, which was basically just a mishmash of every genre that is popular these days, right? Like, what was it? It was a battle royale, a MOBA, Mm -hmm. a a hero shooter. Yeah, it just kind of felt like, like Fortnite mixed with Overwatch. Yeah, like, just all of those. It just felt like buzzwords, but... It did have, like, modes for all of those different things. It was right. <laughs> impressive on that level, I guess. Yeah, so uh, the game is cancelled, and the team who was working on it is going to be redirected to the MMO that they're working on, yet another kind of buzzword in the gaming industry, uh, called New World. And, yeah, that's yeah. that. That's pretty much the story, right? Like, they, they released the game, and then, like, a month later, they're like, the game's not released anymore, and then for four months they were working on it, and now it's done um maybe not surprising but i don't know like we both kind of agreed the game had some potential when we originally played it right yeah which apparently they couldn't really find it i mean that tells me that that team was looking for the identity of that game and just couldn't couldn't really suss it out so uh which i just gotta say really quick it really bothers me that there are new games coming out called old world and new world (laughs) is it what's what's old world uh there's um, isn't there isn't there some kind of I, I honestly i don't really know much about either one of them i just know i hear <laughs> them both maybe i just maybe people just get the name wrong and i think there's two different games and there's not yeah new uh, world is amazon's like i i think the first <laughs> game that we found out about from amazon when they said it was an mmo and then crucible yeah. ended up coming out first so they've been oh, no, they've I been working right. okay go Old ahead world is the yeah it's by the guy who made uh civilization four mm. uh, he was making a, a new 4x game Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah. That, that I imagine that's going to have a little <laughs> bit more potential than New World. I have no idea. I don't really know much about either <laughs> Well, one. if he's the creator of Civ 4, I mean, you know, there, yeah. there's obviously a portfolio there. Yeah, which I, I was going to say New World is by Amazon, though, but obviously that hasn't really had a great track record so far, <laughs> so... Yeah, so there you go. Uh, I don't, I don't know. Is there anything else to say about this? Like, like I said, it's, it's not necessarily surprising. Probably for mm-hmm. a lot of people, it's like almost the expectation of what was going to happen with that game. I don't know. I think I gave it more of a, a little bit of a benefit of a doubt, but yeah, I mean, I'm sure that there are people who are bummed. Uh, I'm glad the team is being redirected, and it's not just like a situation where the the studio shut down and a whole bunch of people just lost their jobs. Um, you know, and that's that's one of the benefits of Amazon. I imagine that they're going to be a little more stable than a lot of a lot of places, assuming they stick with gaming. Um, I don't know. Hopefully, it, 
hopefully it benefits new world you know yeah and that's kind of the big question too right with amazon it's like they the same with google like they both kind of came in and just said hey there's a lot of money here let's do it and then now this is the first instance of them really being like holy crap like we can't just do it we have to really understand what's going on yeah especially these days and especially these days there's a lot of luck involved regardless of how big your name is no kidding Uh, yeah i mean look at among us that's (laughs) yeah gaming is in a crazy place right now i i don't envy amazon's position yeah for sure yeah um and then you know we'll see what happens as well with uh with luna right amazon has a game streaming service coming out with a kind of a subscription service alongside of it uh we'll see if if I, I think that has a higher chance of being successful than like an individual game, I would say. Right. I agree. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Um, yeah, I, I hope I, I mean, Luna's an interesting thing. I'm I'm so fascinated. I'm so immediately like I immediately just cringe inside whenever I hear like gaming streaming service just because of how many times that's failed. Um, but honestly, like, yeah, it's, it's that's been their best shot. Um, yeah. And I do wonder if some of those folks from crucible didn't get moved over to luna instead i don't know like i guess if they said that they're all on new world i'm sure that's true uh, i wouldn't be surprised if there's a little bit of employee shifting around it's it's uh you know they they hired a whole lot of people when they decided to enter the gaming space and i don't imagine that they're just going to start letting people go immediately just because one project happened to fail uh they yeah. they've they've taken a multifaceted approach here yeah yeah, I feel like for anyone who is looking forward to this game, I feel like there's other games out there that that offer up very similar, if not like pretty much identical, uh, you know, offerings, uh, maybe in different games. But, um, you know, you've got your Overwatch, you've got your your Dota 2, your League of Legends. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't feel like there's a whole lot lost, unfortunately, other than that potential. Yeah, we have a we have another cancellation in a way here. Uh, so if you don't know, there's a company called Lab Zero Games. They developed Indivisible and Skullgirls. Those are the two games they were most well known for. And the head of that studio was uh, really not well liked. I, I believe he had some <laughs> some sexual harassment allegations against him. And then when he tried, he he was the sole owner of the company. And then the employees basically said, "Hey, give us the company, or we're leaving." He did not hand the company over, and they left. Um, so Lab Zero Games is now basically empty, and that's been the case for a while. Um, yeah. But now we basically just got recent confirmation from the publisher of Indivisible that development isn't really continuing on the game anymore. Um, the the new studio that came out of the people who left Lab Zero, they formed their own company. Uh, they said that they were open to working on uh, either Indivisible or Skullgirls because, because you know, they're the team that made it. Um, however, I, I believe what the situation is, is that Skullgirls belongs to the publisher and Indivisible, Indivisible belongs to Lab Zero. So technically they can't do anything more with Lab Zero unless, or with Indivisible unless Lab Zero was going to do something. Um, so anyway, we, we basically got the confirmation that, hey, Indivisible... For those of you who did the Kickstarter and for those of you who were waiting for the extra stuff, it's probably not coming. Yeah, and that I mean, we did get the game, at least that that did come out. But yeah, there were several bits of DLC. There were several characters that are yeah not going to be coming out. Uh, they did say that there is currently a patch for the Switch version that is in um, what's the what's the process called? But approval, you know, approval yeah. process by Nintendo. So they said the Switch will be getting another big update that has a lot of content, but it's never going to get some of the backer made characters. Um, and I, I read that there was some concern about 
digital codes being sent out because there was a certain aspect of that that was handled by Lab Zero. Um, I'm not I'm not quite sure I understand what that's about because the game's been out for quite a while. I'm not sure why there's digital codes that still haven't come out. Right. But um, but yeah, I guess uh, for those folks who backed it, they'll probably know what I'm talking about. Um, and there there was something saying that there was a statue that was also part of the Kickstarter. Uh, they did say that that will be shipped out because that's okay. something 505 was handling. Uh, so did you play Indivisible? I did not. I followed it up till its release, and then I, I think I got distracted by something else when it came out and kind of forgot about it until I just read about it, you know, last night. Um, this yeah, is this know. this story is kind of the danger of Kickstarter projects, right? Like mm-hmm. you you can invest your money in something and it can go belly up in in a totally unpredicted way like this, or you know, if you just make a, a poor investment with a team who wasn't ha- prepared to handle a project like that from the beginning. Like there's kind of different ways that it can fail. Uh, a, a Kickstarter project can can not work out, but um, yeah, I, I just hope that there's not too many people who backed this with like full expectations of everything working out and everything and now they're i mean obviously they're going to be disappointed but you know that's that's kind of the risky take right yeah and it's nuts for this one too just because lab zero was fairly well established like they weren't you know triple a or anything but skull girls has been coming out and has been supported for some time i mean i'm sure for the kickstarter it looked like it was a safe bet but yeah just like you said stuff stuff happens you know yeah and at least we did get the game. I, I do think that's, you know, beneficial. Um, it's not like the game is just gone forever. It's just going to be missing some of the content that was promised. Um, I do feel bad for for whatever those digital codes, whatever that situation is. If people didn't get the game when they backed it, that's that's a bummer. Uh, so folks, if, if you were a big fan of Skullgirls or of Indivisible or, or Lab Zero in general, uh, the, the employees who left the company formed a new studio called Future Club. Uh, they are working on a new IP. They're going to be pitching publishers to try and get a game out. So technically, if you want to be supporting the team that made those games, you're you're welcome to go check out Future Club. Uh, and it is, of course, as mentioned, possible that they'll return to Skullgirls if it's you know something that they can work out. But uh, otherwise, that's where you can go. Um, anything else you want to mention before we move on? No, it's just always a sad thing. But um, it seems like it's it seems like it's for the best, honestly, with all the situation going on with lab zero uh, i'm glad that the rest of the team is is continuing to work in the industry here's another interesting thing is that future club actually because of the issues that they had with leaving lab zero is a it's, it's a full co-op company every person that works there has like equal stake um and i believe like the biggest company that has pulled that off in the gaming industry is uh the developers of dead cells um it has done the same thing so you know like the the idea of it can be a little apprehensive i would imagine for a lot of people for especially a game studio which is so intricate um but we we i guess have evidence of it working out in the past and uh, obviously for these guys who have a, a certain history hopefully it'll work out for them yeah it makes total sense why they would want to go that route okay uh the next thing we want to talk about here is Again, not really anything specific, but uh, Genshin Impact, okay? So this is a game that has just blown up over the last, I would say, week, because the game came out, like, three weeks ago, or two and a half weeks ago, something like that, and I heard nothing about it. Like, I didn't see it on Twitter, I didn't see it, maybe you saw more than I did, but... um, I saw the name, but I didn't know what it was. I, I I didn't see ads or anything for it, I didn't see any gaming outlets talking about it, but... 
I did see a couple of people saying Genshin Impact. Just right. Didn't know what that was. I thought it was a fighting game, actually. And and the first time that I actually like fully understood what this game was, it was an article saying that it was the best-selling Chinese launch of a game of all time ever. And I'm like, how did this happen? And I have no idea what this game is. Um, so for those of you who are also out of the loop on this story, Genshin Impact is a game that looks very much like Breath of the Wild, uh, visually and I believe in the gameplay. Um, and it was also really popular going up to the release of the game. They had like 16 million pre-registered players in China and then another 5 million or something like that outside of China, um, which is, I, I believe, also the most in history pre-registered uh, users for a game um, so, yeah, from China. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's just been kind of as it picks up popularity as this Breath of the Wild co-op experience. Um, the, you know, the big thing is it's a it's a it probably didn't get attention because it's a free to play anime gasha game. Right. And you mm. you get that and you're like, OK, and then it's also trying to look like Breath of the Wild. Um, probably not interested. Right. The The press outlets are probably seeing like five of these a day. Um, but this one in particular really worked out. And, and the concept that a lot of people have stuck on is, is hey, it's free to play Breath of the Wild. I want that. And, and it's a, you know, a, a solid single player experience. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. What's your take on the game, I guess? Yeah, I mean, I haven't played it myself. I actually just downloaded it and got the went through all the installation and stuff on my phone yesterday. Uh, but I didn't actually get a chance to, to try it out. Um, but yeah, no, I, I do think that as far as the industry goes, as far as the media attention goes, I think the fact that it's from mainland China is also, it very much plays a part. I mean, our industry is really still struggling with like acknowledging and getting uh, games and stuff from other regions. Right. I mean, Russia is one that's had a gaming industry for decades and most people don't know, most people could not name a single Russian game. Um, and that's, you know, even though they've been making games for decades right. and it's just had like its own little gaming industry over there. And, um, I mean, China's, China's, uh, kind of history with gaming is bizarre and yeah. very, very unique. Um, but yeah, I, I do think we're still trying to figure out how to acknowledge these games that, um, maybe aren't from, uh, typical sources, um, you know, China, a lot of people still think of China as being where you get all the the free to play, you know, quote unquote shovelware um, and and seeing this. They, yeah, I'm guessing you're right that people saw this and just assumed that it was the same kind of shovelware that we got, you know, for a long time. Yeah. And it sounds like it's not. <laughs> it sounds like it's definitely not. Uh, I mean, it, it looks gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, the download on my phone was six gigs, which I was impressed by. <laughs> Um, yeah, you're yeah. totally right. I mean, the the I mean, the situation in China is also a little more complicated, right? Like the Chinese mm. government has very strict uh, expectations yeah, as to what right. games can come out of China. And then if you want to sell your game in China, you actually need to have a Chinese partner who will sell the game on your behalf. Usually that's Tencent or uh, or NetEase, um, which is why those companies just blew up in the way that they did. Um, and they still have to be approved, even if you have that Chinese partner. It still has to go through their uh, one of their uh, one of their government agencies for individual approval. Yeah, and there was there was a period of time there where they put a pause on those um, on those approvals. Like, there's a whole process, and they'll do like a hundred games a week that they just have to kind of approve that can go out there, or a month, or even I don't know. It's like a really low amount. And then for a period of time, they were on freeze for like eighteen months, so nobody was selling games out of China or in China at all. And I was like, what the heck's happening here? This is a major market that 
people need access to, uh, or at least yeah. we're used to having access to. Anyway, uh, yeah, I, I think uh, I think what was the other point I was going to make? Oh boy, oh yeah, the other interesting <laughs> point is that yes, as you said, the game looks absolutely beautiful. It runs on mobile and on PC. Which is another mm-hmm. thing that really surprised me because I saw the game and I'm like, oh, it's a PC game or it's a console game, you know, and then because it is on PlayStation. But then they said that it's on mobile phones. And I was like, there's no way it can't be on mobile phones. <laughs> so I typed into YouTube Genshin Impact Mobile and it's the same game on the phone. And I'm like, how is this possible? <laughs> so, yeah. Android, it's it's impressive. Well, not just Android, iOS also. It's impressive what mobile devices are able to handle. Um, it's just most people... Most game developers aren't putting like that type of effort into those games. You know, yeah. they're all about about microtransactions and and the gotcha mechanics and whatnot. And the graphics are kind of secondary to that. But um, yeah, it doesn't look like that's the case with this game. I'm, I'm excited to try it. And I'll report back next week. Oh, okay, great. Yeah, I'll, I'll try and I'll try and do it myself as well. I have a uh, Canadian Thanksgiving this this next week, so we'll see if I actually have the time to do so. But um, yeah, I mean. The other thing that they've mentioned as well is that the the like the gacha mechanics aren't actually that bad. I've seen I've been seeing a lot mm-hmm. of people say that it's it doesn't feel pay to win and you can just play yeah. the game without worrying about the monetization and that's another big thing going for it in terms of like picking up steam over time, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I'm never I, I kind of decided a long time ago I would never pay more in microtransactions than what I think the game would be worth like outright. Right. Um, you know, I I used to be a fan of the game Clash of Clans and that's when I kind of had to had to establish that and be like, no, 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 this is this is bad. This is not healthy. <laughs> so I'll tell you, I work with mobile games every day, right? I work for a mobile analytics company, and um, I I read a lot of reviews for mobile games, right? And it fascinates me. I mean, we all know people spend a lot of money on mobile games that are free to play trash. Like we know that, but just reading the reviews, I'm like fascinated with what people are okay with spending. Like oh, the the review is like. I have spent $200 on this game, and if you don't change this specific thing, I'm going to go somewhere else. And I'm like, my friend, they already got $200 out of you. Like, what? <laughs> like, it, I'm, I'm amazed. $200, too, is... Oh yeah, light. I know. Like yeah. I had a I had a buddy when I was playing Clash of Clans, uh, you know, somebody I, somebody I knew on, like, a personal level outside of the game. Um, they, they dedicated parts of their paycheck every single month to Clash of Clans. Um, they, they, I, I know for a fact that within a year they spent over $5,000 on that game. Um, yeah. And it's, it's tough. Ab- absolutely nuts. <laughs> it's, and, and I mean, you know, we talk about government regulation and, and video games as an addiction and things like this. Mm-hmm. And it's like, we could be in an industry right now where these are the types of things we don't have to worry about, but we are worrying about that right now. And so of course the government's going to try and step in and, and fix something like this. Right. So, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, all that plays into why I, I do think people overlooked Genshin Impact <laughs> anyway. Uh, the other thing I think we wanted to touch on here is this is another game that looks like Breath of the Wild. Yeah, we're starting to get more of them. It's, yeah. been, it's been, what, two and a half years? So it's right about the time when we're going to start seeing all the clones come out. But it's interesting, though, right? Like, like Breath of the Wild obviously sold really well, but it's not like we're seeing, like, Mario Odyssey clones. That sold probably just as well, right? But, like, Mario Kart, I guess it has its clones, but not to this extent, I guess. I don't know. It feels like, uh, it feels like a, a weird, specific one to latch onto, considering it's, uh, it's a really complicated concept, I think. 
you know, big open world, lots of different things to do. Like that's a lot of development. It is. Um, I do think it has some more relatively unique features than what Odyssey had. Like Super Mario Odyssey was very popular also, absolutely. But Super Mario Odyssey was a 3D platformer. Fair I mean, enough. There are, yeah. So if you want to look at like, uh, you know, before that, there was a hat in time. Would Super Mario Odyssey be a hat in time clone? <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, and there are some 3D platformers making a comeback. Uh, there's a game called Pumpkin Jack that's coming out relatively soon on Steam and I'm not sure if it's on consoles also, but, um, you know, it's kind of continuing that that legacy. Um, I just don't know if there's anything that would definitively point to being inspired by Mario Odyssey. Fair enough. Not that I can think or of. I, I'm just the the mm-hmm. point I was trying to make is like <clears throat> yeah. other big budget AAA games, like maybe they are just kind of filling their genre. And so that isn't as relevant. And Breath of the Wild mm-hmm. is kind of this new experience. But I don't know. I, I, I yeah. just it's an interesting one to latch onto. I think. It is. And I, like the one I always think back on, um, <clears throat> especially when we started to see some of these like Immortals Phoenix Rising starting uh, uh, to be announced. Um, I thought back on Middle Earth uh, Shadow of Mordor, or uh, I think that was what it was called. Shadow of War was the second one. Yeah. Anyway, those games, when that when that game first came out, that was the one I thought like, oh, man, we're going to see so many clones of this game because it's got all these new systems that are totally unique and it's awesome. And we just never did. There yeah. was nothing. I, I I can't think of a single game that imitated pretty much any of the mechanics of of Middle Earth, um, and that shocked me. And so yeah, it is interesting. Like Breath of the Wild came out, and it kind of kind of didn't really. I, I didn't really think there was going to be a lot of clones of it. I mean, the climbing mechanic was one thing I thought we'd start to see in other stuff, but beyond that, I don't know. But but no, I mean, it looks like it looks like the floodgates are opening. So. It is a neat concept, right? Like, you just take this world, it's totally open, go explore, right? And I think that kind of thing is especially going to become more prominent as, like, the next-gen technology catches up, um, Mm -hmm. because uh, I'm sure there was a lot of limitations with that in the past with no loading screens and whatnot, but... um yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, you're totally right. The Nemesis system in particular, like that that thing, it's not even necessarily like the game sold really well, which is probably why a lot of people are copying Breath of the Wild. It's also like that is a specific system, the Nemesis system in particular, that people have been asking for. Like you go yeah. on the internet and people just talk about the Nemesis system all the time. Why haven't we seen this again? So I'm actually surprised. Uh, yeah, I agree. I, I'm surprised that we haven't seen that again. Yeah, absolutely. Um yeah, and I, w- I wonder if the cell shaded graphics are also appealing to people as far as Breath of the Wild, just because I think that on an like it's artistically it's beautiful, it's great, yeah. and it's certainly not a detriment to the game. Um, but I also think it's probably easier than doing something photorealistic. Uh, maybe that is my completely uneducated guess <laughs> about it. Um, it seems like it would be less intensive, and smaller teams would be able to accomplish that than you know copying something like Red Dead Redemption, which right must have taken so much time i'll talk about that later (laughs) um okay we have uh the i think the last thing that we want to mention here in terms of news is that steam currently has the steam game festival up um this is a a festival that they run now this i believe this is the fourth time in the last year where they basically put up just hundreds of demos for the various video games that they have available on the store um and they're all limited time so i think the idea here is that we don't see a lot of demos anymore these days because they don't really sell copies in the way that we would like them to 
And uh, the concept, I, I, I'm assuming, is, hey, let's get a limited time demo where you can get a sneak peek at the game, and then that gives you a little bit more informed opinion as to, you know, if you want to buy the full game. Uh, but a lot of these games are games that haven't come out yet or, you know, have a, have a really attractive premise or whatever it is. Uh, and then they're also live streaming a bunch of uh, developers playing their own game, which is really interesting. Uh, so do you, you have it up, right? You want to mention some of the highlights? Oh, with Steam Game Festival? Yeah. Um, a lot of the demos that I saw, um, it seems like some there's several repeats. Ghost Runner is one I've seen highlighted a lot, right. uh, which we you, you played. You did a video on uh, before, which everyone should check out that video because it's really good, and Ghost <laughs> Runner looks great. Ghost Runner is pretty um, cool. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't see anything new that particularly stuck out to me, um, right. but I haven't gotten a real good chance to dive into it yet. Uh, I feel like this this festival snuck up on us. Did you hear about this announced in advance? No, I I, I found out about it the day that it started. Yeah, yeah, I I feel like especially if you're doing timed demos, I feel like you have to give people some warning to, <laughs> to kind of carve out some time and be like, yeah, I'm gonna play demos this time. I'm hoping to later this week, but I I didn't get a chance to try any of them uh, before the podcast today. Yeah, it, it's just kind of worth mentioning because if you take a look, like there's actually a lot of things in here that look really cool and are definitely mm -hmm. the types of things that would be like, hey, I would love to play a demo of this before I actually purchase it. Like, I do like the yeah. concept, um, uh, you know, and the, the fact that they've themed an event around it and stuff like that. Um, the only thing I think is that, like, like you said, that we are seeing some repeats. I feel like it would be cool if they're going to do four of these a year, if they didn't do hundreds of demos and maybe did dozens of demos and just shorten yeah. the choice a little bit. I would agree with that. Yeah, having more concentrated thing, kind of like what demo discs used to be back right. in the day. Yeah, uh, just be able to show off because yeah, definitely. I, you know, like you said, there are statistics about demos not actually increasing sales like you might think that they would. Um, but I do think the benefit of demos is being able to grab people who are outside of your core demographic, people who maybe aren't familiar with your yep. games or your work or even your genre. Um, cause I know there are, there are several games from the last steam game festival that I played that I've, I've since bought since they came out, um, that I, I ne probably never would have looked at otherwise. Right. I just wouldn't have even considered it, but I tried out the demos and actually really, really enjoyed them. Um, yeah, I agree. So, yeah, I, I agree that having a more concentrated group would let me just grab all of those demos and not cherry pick in that group uh you know of hundreds what i think is going to be interesting to me you know this uh this might even see a resurgence over time the the idea of demos um because of the popularity of things like the game pass and and game subscription services where you know those things really exist because it's letting people try things that they haven't necessarily tried before, right? At no cost to themselves. I've tried so many games through the Game Pass just because I, you know, oh, this looks cool. And I'm going to talk later about one of the games that actually, you know, that happened to work out. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, as kind of this idea reemerges, we might start seeing more demos that aren't already on those platforms. That's true. I wouldn't be at all surprised to see Xbox and Sony start to to compile groups of demos of like, hey, here's a bunch of games you can try out. You can get all of these on the Game Pass right away. Because I don't think there's a benefit for people who have the Game Pass. Yeah. There's no reason to try a demo of a game that you can just play the full thing of anytime right. you feel like. But to bring people into that ecosystem, I'd be really surprised if that wouldn't work. Um, then again, honestly, the demo statistics really surprise me too, and I can't quite reconcile that 
uh, yet, but I would think it would be useful for a Game Pass situation. Uh, so there you go, folks. That's the Steam Game Festival. Feel free to check it out on Steam. Uh, there's lots of fun stuff to check out there. Um, so that is pr- pretty much it for news. It was a, a really slow news for a week, as was last week. Um, so we're going to we're gonna move on to some more fun things here. Uh, and today, so, okay, so I, I posed a mailbag question for the TGO Daily Updates, um, and I asked the entire audience, what is your favorite genre of games or niche or subgenre or anything like that? Uh, and then what are your favorite games within that? Um, so we thought, what the heck, let's, let's answer it ourselves here on the show. And since we have, you know, an hour to talk these things out, we can, we can actually give it a little bit of, of depth. Um, so why don't, do you want to start? Sure. <laughs> why not? Uh, I actually have a lot of trouble answering this question. Yeah. It used to be that the answer was like absolutely indisputably for me, role-playing games. Um, but as I've, you know, as I've become an adult and have to do a full-time job and all that fun stuff, um, I have way less time uh, that I can dedicate to a single game. Right. So I still love role-playing games, but they always make me wish I had more time to right. play them. Um, so I'm actually more of, I've become more of a fan of shorter, smaller experiences. Um, and... So I I feel like games, not necessarily walking simulators. I yep. and I like narrative narrative experiences like that, but I'm not sure I would call it my favorite genre. Um, but games that focus a lot on a small, compact narrative, um, usually like maybe an adventure game kind of a thing. Those are often my my favorite these days. And I know that's vague. I know that's not really an established genre, but that's that's what I go for is like the the intense narrative with maybe uh, some puzzle elements involved. So like, uh, would you say it has to have like some kind of really strong storytelling element? Yeah, absolutely. Any kind of game that I play, it's rare for me to want to play a game that doesn't have any kind of narrative. It does happen, but it's usually not super common. Okay, so what what are the first games that come to mind then for your for for this uh, niche that you've carved out? One of the first is uh, it's a relatively obscure DS game called Ghost Trick. Oh yeah, um, I've heard of that. It's, yeah, yeah, it's kind of one of the things I'm looking for. Um, gosh, these days it's it's kind of hard to uh, come up with good examples. Um, well, I mean, uh, what remains of Edith Finch? Yeah, what remains of Edith Finch was was very very good. Although I wouldn't say I had too many puzzles. I guess the exploration helps out a lot in that case. Um, honestly, the witness. I know that's one that doesn't really have much of a narrative to it, but it's got a mystery to the the kind of environment and lore. Yeah. Um, that exploration element. Yeah, the witness is one of my favorite games. Um, things like that. Yeah. Uh, let's let's go back a second here. I actually have played Ghost Trick. I, I, I had to oh, do a Google have. I had to do uh, a Google search to remember it, but yes, I, I do recall this game. I I don't think I played it completely, but um yeah, because mm-hmm. the the plot is that you are a ghost, right? And then you're like influencing the world uh, mm-hmm. as a as a ghost. Yeah, it was a really neat concept. Yeah, you have to solve your own murder, uh, and you do that by like possessing objects within range. Right. So you can you can uh, go to an object and then 
you have a range around you that you can possess other objects and then you can do something small with that object like if you're a tea kettle you can you know like uh, blow steam and stuff make you whistle um, and things like that and you have to interact with the people around to get them to do what you want them to do Um, yeah and the the story goes goes some places (laughs) (laughs) Okay, cool. Yeah, so okay, so the puzzle element is a big like I think that's a little surprising to me. I I haven't heard you necessarily talk about puzzles being a key aspect of a lot of this. Yeah, it's it's something I I don't know, I'm kind of like in the process still of discovering what what stands out to me just because it, it so definitively used to be role-playing games for me and I just have such a hard time saying that now just because I don't finish a lot of role-playing games i'll start them you know i started dragon quest 11 i started persona 5 and i I love those games but i haven't finished them do you you need to finish Um, a game to call it your favorite genre not necessarily but it's i it's definitely having a conclusion to a game is really important to me i actually walked away from comics for the most part because they often don't have endings um and so it's hard for me to call something my favorite game when I played half of it and didn't didn't finish it. Fair enough. So um, what are your what are your favorite? Uh, you know, let's say you had all the time in the world then, and RPGs became your favorite of all time. Like you know, you got Baldur's Gate on there. What are what are the what are the big RPGs? Oh man, like uh, Skyrim is one that I go back to just oh, all really? the time. Having that exploration. I, now that I'm talking it out, exploration seems to be really important <laughs> to me. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, like the Elder Scrolls have always been a favorite of mine. Uh, and I think that one's a little bit easier because you can kind of choose how much time you're going to spend with it um, and still feel like you completed something. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I think that's one that I still stick with pretty easily. Um, yeah, but things like uh, JRPGs are a genre I really miss. Uh, so stuff like Persona 5. Yep. Um, yeah, things like that. Well, there you go. Um, yeah, how about you? Uh, okay, so this is... Uh, okay, everyone knows that I adore roguelikes, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, if you're talking about games that I have played the most, it's roguelikes by... It's not even close, <laughs> right? Isaac, FTL, Slay the Spire, Hades, Rogue Legacy, Gungeon, Into the Breach, Nuclear Throne. I wrote them down. I have a list here. Um, these are games That's that I put hundreds of hours into, right? Um, but are they my favorites? Maybe. Yes. Like, I, <laughs> I think I've put a lot of time into them because it's easy to put a lot of time into them, right? Like, not every game or every genre is designed to put a lot of time into. Um, true. So, you know, like, I like Isaac. I like Slay the Spire. But I've played a lot of it because it's meant to be played over and over again. And the variables make it interesting every time you play it. And I can play it without sound. Like... I've been playing some games while during my Zoom classes where I don't need my webcam on, right? Like, games that don't need sound are games that are going to be played by me a whole lot more. Um, And Hades is rapidly approaching that point as the narrative kind of slows down. Um, So, you know, that's kind of what I was toying with in terms of, like, what's my favorite genre of all time? And I think Mm -hmm. it probably is... But something that has cropped up a little bit more recently, and we've talked about this on the show, is uh, Metroidvanias right mm-hmm. hollow knight uh uh what were the hollow three knight. hollow knight uh bloodstained, <laughs> bloodstained. and ori <laughs> right like those three games mm-hmm. actually stood out to me extremely i haven't played many other metroidvania games but uh for some reason like the the constant i guess sense of exploration like you were talking about like these are games that 
um, encourage you to come back in a similar way to roguelikes, right? Like there's always something new to explore. There's and then reasons to revisit those areas. Um, and, and, you know, Bloodstained in particular had like a lot of grinding that I could do with the sound off. Like there's a lot of common themes there, I think. Um, yeah. but yeah, I think, I think in particular that sense of exploration and always having something new around the corner, that was a big aspect for me. Well, have you tried, uh, Dead Cells yet? I haven't. It's been, it's like, I've owned it for a while. It's on the game pass now. I, I think I have it on the Epic game store or something like that. I my, my dude, like oh, it ahead. is a roguelike and a Metroidvania. Is it? <laughs> yes, it is. That's exactly what it is. I'll tell you, it was like I was right about to play it, and then Hades came out, so I started playing Hades. Uh. So yeah, I, it's always literally been like, and then I was right about to play it, and then Rogue Legacy Two, I got the review code for. Like I've always been like right on the brink, and then something else kind of comes and takes its slot. But it's sitting there, it's waiting for me. I'll get there eventually. Um, <laughs> that's cool though. I'll, I'll have to make note of that actually. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't yeah, know. It combines the genres in really interesting ways. But I mean, if those two are your favorite genre, then Dead Cells is the game for you. <laughs> I think, I, kind of similar to you though, I think it's less about the the predefined genres for me, and more mm-hmm. about like the elements of what the game is. Like I've always literally just been about games that are really good at replaying. Right? I played a ton of mm-hmm. Skate Three. Right? Or a lot of these skateboarding games where it's just a game that you can just like go in and then just skate around, you know, do tricks and then you're done, right? While I'm like listening to a podcast or something. Like anything that has like this short gameplay loop, that's a big thing for me. Yeah. It was nice having that and going back to that with uh Tony Hawk just recently. Yeah. Um I you know, a lot of people were especially by the time Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 4 came out, were really sick of that 2 minute limit. Right. Um, I actually, I actually found it really refreshing to have the two minute limit where, uh, it's just kind of like do as much as you can in two minutes. So I could just jump in really quickly, play a couple rounds and then stop. Right. Um, and I've still been doing that actually for, you know, several weeks later, even though I completed most of the main goals, um, I'll still just go in and see what I can do in two minutes. That's cool. Yeah, uh, let me throw. I don't oh. know if having four. I don't know if the open world and stuff of four underground would would bring me back like that. I don't know. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, or sorry, Tony Hawk's Underground Two was the game that I played the most, or the the Tony Hawk game that I played the most. Um, I don't know. I think it it, it definitely had the similar elements. Like obviously, Pro Skater has a much closer, uh, a more closed map than Underground did. But even then, Definitely. I was like skating around like crazy. I don't know. I, I think it was a similar loop. Yeah, I'm still excited for. Uh, hopefully, they'll do an underground one and two, and then I'll be able to to see if that replay value is there for me. <laughs> I really want to play those games because I never got to spend much time with them yeah. uh, back when they first came out. Right. Uh, let me throw another one out there. Uh, yeah. I'm a I'm a huge fan of rhythm games or music games. Yeah. Uh, Guitar Hero and Rock Band. I mean. Uh, Okay, we've talked recently about the games that we've put the most amount of hours into, and it's like, I know I've done Isaac because it's it's tracked on Steam, but then there's <laughs> games like Minecraft, right? And games like Guitar Hero that I played a lot offline on Xbox. Uh, it's very possible I've put most amount of time into Xbox, or into uh, Guitar Hero, I don't know. Um, but yeah, there's other, like, there's a game on my phone called Demo, which is like a, like a piano game almost, but it, it's just lines coming down the screen and then you tap with, with the rhythm. Um, mm-hmm. that's another game that I just have put like so much time into and I don't know why I, I I've had a I've had a knack for rhythm games for a while 
yeah rock band same way for me i don't even i don't even know how many hours i've spent with rock band all the different entries um yeah that's a that's a genre i really miss actually yeah that, that's uh, an annoying one because you need the plastic accessory right right yeah but we loved it oh my gosh i had a group of of three guys that we would play rock band at, literally for like 12 hours at a time um yeah anyway nostalgia <laughs> uh, okay let's move on to uh to the games that we've been playing then uh, as is tradition for this show every single week uh you have you you came on the show today actually uh, if you're yeah. listening to this right now uh, uh to talk about Baldur's Gate 3 on early access so do you want to do you want to share your thoughts on that yeah so I yeah I got to kind of do an overview uh for TGO and that was great but yeah there's so much there's so much there I felt like I couldn't get into um I had a yeah, for, for listeners, I got a four four and a half minute limit from Adrian on talking about it, which I exceeded anyway. But uh, when I first recorded it, it was well over five minutes, and I was like, "No, I, I need to I need to cut this down. <laughs> I need to cut this down." Um, but I think one of the things I talked about on on that review that I really wanted to go into more was the the sense of freedom that this game offers. Um, there's a there's a thing for anybody who's played any kind of tabletop RPG. It doesn't have to be Dungeons and Dragons, any any kind. Um, there's this thing that happens in tabletop games where your party, your group, whatever, uh, is trying to come up with a plan of how to do something, and things just get totally nuts. Like ever somebody comes up with a plan that's like, let's blow up the house or something crazy, and everyone's kind of like. You know, the DM's like, oh, my gosh, that's a terrible idea. And everyone's kind of like, yeah, yeah, let's do that. And it just snowballs and things just get insane. Um, video games have, at least to me, have never been able to capture this because there's just too many limitations. Right. Um, plus, you know, you just don't have the, the group mentality normally unless you're playing something multiplayer, um, which RPGs typically aren't. But um but Baldur's Gate, like I actually had that moment uh, of a feeling like that several, a few times, actually. Um, but there was one in particular where there's this chest that was locked. It was really bothering me that I couldn't unlock this chest. Um, I'm looking around for keys and couldn't find any. And uh, and I didn't have a rogue on me. I did try a thieves tool check and, and just failed it. Um and it really bothered me. So I decided I was going to go where I remembered there were some oil barrels and I picked up the oil barrels and brought them back over to this chest. and was like, I'm going to blow this thing up. I'm going to blow it open and take everything in it. So I set these oil barrels next to this chest and I'm like, all right, I think we're good. Uh, I'm going to back way up and I've got several people with range. In fact, I think all my party members had range. Uh, and I'm just going to blow up this this oil barrel and it's going to going to blow up the chest and I'll, I'll get whatever's inside that doesn't get destroyed. Yeah, um, I think at that point I didn't even care what was in the chest or if right. I got anything from it. I just was bothered by this locked chest. Um, so I so I stand way back and I blow up the oil barrel and the first one blew up, knocked the second oil barrel closer to, to me and then it blew up. Oh, no. <laughs> right next to my party <laughs> and i killed half my party doing nice. this great and the chest was fine it lit on fire but it was like hardly hurt by it <laughs> and 
I, I, you know, I brought people back and, and was like, oh, I'm fine. I'm done with you, chest. And I, I go over to this other part of the cave and then find the key. Ah, uh, great. <laughs> Immediately. It was like, I don't know, 100, 200 feet away. <laughs> so it's a game that enables you to enact your crazy ideas. It does. It does. And it enables you in a way where um, it, it will... It will give you the logical outcome. Like after I did this, I didn't feel like the game cheated me or did anything, uh, you know, unfair. Right. It was it was a foreseeable outcome <laughs> that I just didn't see coming. Right. Um. And wound up wound up killing myself. In fact, of all of my player deaths so far, I think all of them have been my fault. <laughs> I don't think an enemy has yet killed one of my party members. It has just been me. Um. So I'm my own worst enemy in that game. Uh, but it's always in fair ways. Like, right. I haven't encountered any experience yet that felt unfair. Um, and I think that's a big testament to the game when you can completely screw up and recognize immediately that it was your fault. Okay, t- talk to me about Baldur's Gate 3 as a Baldur's Gate game. Yeah, so... That that's that's actually a really great question because I I think we talked a lot about it before coming out um, how it did seem like Divinity Original Sin three right. really it felt like that um, and I know a lot of people that was a controversial uh, thing some people really didn't want that with Baldur's Gate and I was totally cool with it if that's what we got um, but it honestly it doesn't it doesn't feel like that mm. it doesn't feel like Baldur's Gate three or uh, like Divinity Original Sin three right. Um, it, I did mention on the the on the TGO review that anyone can jump into this game. It doesn't have any real narrative connection to the first two games, uh, at least not that I've found yet. Um, I, I I suspect that there's going to be some connections later, but I don't think they'll be very important. I don't think you're going to be missing out if you don't play the first two games. But the combat system feels uh, pretty drastically different. Than divinity original sin and i think that lends or that gives a lot to that sense of identity right um the on top of just the fifth edition rules that you're dealing with which obviously feel more D than divinity um things like the the dice rolls showing up on screen and you're you're rolling the dice to see if you're going to succeed and it gives you your target uh that you have to hit um there's things like the jumping mechanic which sounds so minor in a game like that but it is i really believe that jumping in a computer rpg is like a complete game changer it changes the way i look at every single situation um and that verticality there was a a whole combat encounter that i basically skipped because i stealthed through an area and pushed a dude off a building nice um and yeah i managed to kill him in the fall and that's that's something I've never really seen in any other any other computer RPG, uh, including Divinity Original Sin. Um, and it, it lends a lot. Dipping your weapons, dashing, uh, helping the way death saves work. Obviously, death saves are not something that pretty much any other game has. Um, it it def- I don't know if it necessarily feels like Baldur's Gate. Uh, it doesn't really feel like the Infinity Engine games, but right. it definitely feels dungeons and dragons it does not feel like divinity original sin 3 um that's good to hear i think a lot of people are going to be happy about that yeah i i think so i i honestly believe that people 
people have a lot to be hopeful for in this game. It's definitely not finished. I, I want to reiterate that, that uh, this is early access and it does feel like early access. <laughs> like it is very janky. Uh, there's a lot of, of weirdness that goes on. Uh, characters move in really weird ways. Um, yeah, I, I, I mentioned how in dialogue, you know, it actually has like a kind of Mass Effect style dialogue where it zooms in and does like a whole cutscene thing um, for for dialogue options. Uh, at least half the time, the person you're talking to does not move their mouth when they right. talk. They just kind of smile and move their head around and it looks really awkward. Um, and, uh, you know, stuff like that. The A lot of the art doesn't look quite right <laughs> like my character looks really janky um but uh i i don't remember where i was going with this <laughs> the the first <laughs> act is is promising compared to what's what's in yeah. the pipeline <clears throat> yeah it's um it's one of the best like even with this it is one of the best computer rpgs i've ever played um just in that there are so many different choices the rules feel like they actually work uh, you know, that was one of the things I've I've talked about on, on my stream with Baldur's Gate 1, that that game was fantastic, but very much held back by second edition D&D. It was right. not benefited by it. Um, this game feels like fifth edition is um, helping the game significantly. Cool. It it makes a lot of that feel more established and set. Are you um, are you happy that you decided to go with early access rather than wait for the end? I'm I'm totally fine with that decision right now. Yeah, I normally don't jump into early access. Uh, I normally wait for a full release, like I did with Hades, um, things like that. But the way Larian does their stuff, and I know it's not exclusive to Larian, but I just know that that's how they've done with Divin Divinity: Original Sin before. Um, it feels more like a really long demo than yeah. spoiling the game. You're only playing through Act One. It, you can't go beyond that, um, and it. it it feels more like you jump into a playground where mm -hmm. you can just do whatever the heck you feel like. And there's so many different ways things can go. Um, there are, uh, there are whole encounters that are going to be wildly different based on what race you picked. Um, so there's this, this one section early in the game where uh, there's kind of a conflict going on. There's a camp of tieflings who are living in a druid circle and there's some conflict there. Um, if you go into it playing as a human, like my character is, um, they are going to respond to you in a certain way. They're going to uh, react to you with mistrust. Um, you know, these tieflings are, are uh, tieflings for, for people who don't know are basically like partially demon. Um, they're known for being like they're mistrusted by society. Uh, if you saw someone with devil horns, you probably wouldn't immediately trust them. Um, but, uh, you know, they're, they're as morally varied as any other race, but, um, you know, they're often treated with mistrust. So they expect you to not trust them and they react accordingly. However, if you play as a tiefling, they are very, very different towards you. They, they immediately trust you. They will tell you what's going on and expect that you will help them out. You obviously still don't have to do that. But um, they're going to give you information, items, expecting that you'll help help them. Um, there's just oh. there's a lot of difference there, and things can work very differently. 
Um, I, I wanted to ask, I don't know if you saw this, uh, or at least I'm going to tell the audience here. Larian Studios decided to take their analytics tools and take, uh, take a look at the character customization um, and basically choose the, the most popular option of each category and then put them together to see what crazy character came out of everybody experimenting with, uh, with the character creation. Um, mm-hmm. It's worth noting the character creation very in depth. They have a lot of really cool oh, things yeah. going on there, and what ultimately came out of it was a plain white human dude. Um, yep. it, it just medium length hair, <laughs> normal clothing. <laughs> this is what they said. Uh, quote: You basically made the default vault dweller. What the heck, guys? We gave you demon eyes, horns, and even tails. We are sorely disappointed. Go crazy. We worked hard on this. End quote. <laughs> Um, so, you know, like, I don't know why people, like, like, I feel like, like, I saw the character creator. It's really in-depth. Like, there's some cool things going on there. I could spend so much time in there just making a, a crazy person. Instead, we just got a white dude. That's, I'm, I'm cool with that. Yep. Like, what are you doing? Why are you playing Baldur's? Why are you doing playing D&D? <laughs> you just go with the white dude. So, I gotta, I gotta defend myself because I 100% contributed to this. I, my, my character is a white human dude. And the reason I did it with my first character was I really wanted to see kind of a generic, uh, like, playthrough of what I can do. I wanted to see from a, you know, human perspective, because the Sword Coast, the setting that it takes place in is majority human. Although I don't, that's not actually really how Baldur's Gate 3 works. But um, I expected that to be kind of just the generic whatever, um you know default dialogue options and whatnot and then from there i wanted to see how things could be different if i play as a tiefling or a gith yankee you know someone who's not even from that plane of existence um things like that see how things are are different um and i haven't quite gotten there yet so i have only contributed to the (laughs) the generic vault dweller (laughs) Uh, and and to for you know so that i can also back you up here as as a contributor to this uh i know you're going to be playing this game again multiple times you've Mm -hmm. already done it for the divinity games and you and the Baldur's gate games like (laughs) you know you're seeing those experiences again it's not like you're just uh you're, you're saying you're going to and then you don't so uh anyway yeah yeah, no, I'm 100% playing through it multiple times. Um, I'm, I'm My first character is a warlock, and I'm very excited to try uh, many of the others, especially the ranger, which if you're familiar with 5th edition, the ranger is the only one in this game that seems very different from how ranger works in the tabletop game, uh, which makes sense because ranger is terrible in 5th edition, and nobody should ever play it for any reason. <laughs> so, um, okay, yeah, um, it makes sense they changed it. Do you want to tell me about RDR2 quickly? Yeah, just really quick, I've been playing more of that because um, I do want to hear you talk about Nier Automata. But um, yeah, I've been playing Red Dead Redemption 2. I still have a long ways to go. I'm in Chapter 4. I just made it to the big, big city. Um, and the controls in that game are absolutely bonkers, and I do not understand why anybody likes them. Uh, I, I can't tell. I got to say, I, I can't figure out if it's genius that they made it so ridiculously hard to shoot from horseback. Mm. Like I'm literally having to hold my controller like, (laughs) like this and then like hit different buttons. It's just, it's just nuts. Um, And I can't tell if that's genius because shooting from horseback should be difficult (laughs) or if it's just really frustrating. (laughs) But um, yeah, I don't feel like the horse stuff works very well. Um, that said that game is is really impressive 
I, I don't like it as much as I liked the first one, but I still think it's really cool, and the story is going in some cool places. So, okay, we'll check yeah. back in on that later. Yeah. So, Near Automata, where are you at? Yeah. So, uh, I I've been slowly chipping away at Near Automata. I took a 25 hour break from Near Automata in order to play <laughs> Hades. Um, but I, I kind of went back to it just to see. By the way, I have a funny anecdote for Nier Automata. So I, I am now, I have finished ending one or ending A of Nier Automata. Uh, with my understanding, there's five different endings or, or main storyline endings that you play through. You play through the game multiple times. Um, and it is a, like a story-based beat-em-up from Platinum. Anyway, uh, I, I got to like five minutes before the end of ending A. And then I realized I had a work meeting in like 15 minutes. And I was like... I know I'm in the final cutscene, but I could I like I didn't know how much time was left in the cutscene, anything like that. So I paused, I went and did my work meeting, and the whole time I'm just like a very significant event just happened at the end of ending A, and I just want to get back to that to like finish it up. And then uh and then I finish my meeting and I go back and then there's like two minutes left in the cutscene. I'm like, Guff. I could have just kept playing. Anyway. Uh so yeah, I got to the end of ending A. Uh, I'm still like pretty interested in the game. I think I think I would usually have the instinct to just be like Ah, I gotta play this game again. But now I'm like, hey, I get to play this game again. I, I think it's a it's a pretty good experience. Um, yeah, I, I'm happy with the game for sure. I'm very interested to know what you'll think because um, you said you haven't started it back up um, to try it again. I'm very interested to know what you'll think after that point. Um, is it is it the same game? That's what I'm worried about. It's not. Okay, because really like not. I just don't want to have the same experience again, and that's like you, you know won't. a lot of these games that are story based, but then like have this play the game again uh, mechanic is is not always like drastically changed, right? It's just sometimes you just play the game again, uh, and you know mm -hmm. it's totally fine if you like that. It's just for me, I I want a more varied experience. So uh, okay, uh, I will definitely uh, try and play play some more for sure before next week. Yeah, like I know. Um one thing i was thinking at least when i was at the same point you were at was i don't i don't quite understand how like what i could have done differently to get different endings mm -hmm. like i don't i don't see where those branching paths were at and as soon as i started it back up i understood what it was doing ah, okay um so i that's why i'm very curious to know what you'll think of that okay but but as far as ending a goes as far as the first playthrough goes like <clears throat> what um kind of what what did you think about the story that it told okay so like i was most fascinated with near automata in the first hours of the game or or like almost the exploration aspects of it again every time you find a new area in that game i was i was in like i wanted to explore i wanted to see what the world was about i wanted to interact with the robots and the things that they were talking about i thought it was really cool um the the key story beat at the end of story of of ending a that kind of ties it all up. I was not hit all that emotionally by it, I think. I, I was, like, it's a pretty significant event, and I was just like, yeah, it's cool. You know, I think I'm mostly interested in the world building of Nier rather than the, the main plot line that they've at least started with. And you're referring to the machine kind of waking up? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, and also just the, the relationship between the, the two main characters. Okay. Yeah, we should have we should have decided earlier if this was going to be a spoiler cast. This <laughs> wasn't because yeah, it's really weird talking about Nier Automata or like in really vague terms. We'll do um, a we'll do a, a spoiler warning when I finish the game or something like that. Th there you go. Yeah. There you go. Um, do you have a favorite character? 
I mean, are there that many? I guess there are. I don't know. I, I... I mean, here's Pascal, man. If, oh, yeah, if your he's answer cool. is anything other than Pascal, <laughs> then I disagree with you and you're wrong. No, and I'll go with that. Yeah, that's cool. Right. <laughs> I, I do like that one train character where like you go and you like find a thing that this this person with a vehicle, they're looking for like the flowers or whatever. And then you go a to meal? the flower. Yeah, that's it. A meal. You go to the mm-hmm. flower and you call up a meal and you're like, yo, I found a flower. And they're like, I'll be right there. And then you turn around and there they are. And I'm like, you can teleport. Like, <laughs> they're they're pretty funny. You know that um that mask is actually what Yoko Taro wears like all the time. Oh really? That that idea, that whole thing that the machines like their head just looks like this ball with two little dark eyes. Yeah. Um yeah, that's actually a a mask that Yoko Taro wears pretty frequently. That's cool. I, that dude is super weird. I recommend looking <laughs> up interviews after afterwards if you can talk him talking about that game. It's absolutely bizarre. Right um Cool, cool. Do you have any other like? Uh, I mean, so one of the main things with Nier Automata was the the gameplay shifts. Like that's I think one of the main things people attach to with the with the game is just the way you know it. Most of it plays like a platinum uh, action game, like a Bayonetta kind of thing. Uh, but there's sequences where you are dealing with things like uh, like a top down shooter. You're talking about like that twin first section of the the first couple hours. Yeah. yeah. Um, was there anything? in that like any type of gameplay or any moment that really like really hit you no again like that was a thing that was like i really loved it in the prologue right like they immediately Mm -hmm. were like hey here's five different camera directions that you're gonna play this game in and i was like that's so cool i want to see more of this experimentation Uh, and then i played the game and i was just like yeah it's a part of sometimes it was even a little annoying because i was trying to get places and then the camera was like changing on me so like i (laughs) i do like the concept and i appreciated it like for what it was but i wouldn't say that it was like blowing me away necessarily i don't know this is a game that's like i really appreciate it and the art and the story that they're telling and the music like everything is really nice but i don't know that i've necessarily bought in at this point um so yeah and i I don't know like fully i mean like i i'm gonna keep playing the game but it hasn't captured me in the way that i've seen a lot of people talk about it sure i I mean i agree honestly the game i was very mixed on how i felt about it i felt about it even when i finished but I've been very curious. I've needed to like, I don't know, almost experience it again vicariously through you. <laughs> you um, keep us updated as you keep going. Yeah, definitely I will. Um, the only other thing I want to mention, there's this game called Lonely Lonely Mountains Downhill. Have you ever heard of this? I have not. No? Okay. Mm-hmm. So I, I have seen it before uh, through a YouTube video. But the whole concept is that you're on a BMX bike and you're going down a mountain. And, um, you know, it's, it's kind of similar to these skateboarding games where I was talking about before where you'll get like challenges, right? Usually for the skateboarding games, you want like tricks or finish the level in a certain amount of time or something like that. Um, with lonely mountains, you're on a BMX bike that is pretty hard to control because you're literally going down a mountain. Um, and you're trying to get down as fast as you can and, uh, with as few crashes as you can. And it has these, these, you know, challenges that unlock over time. And uh, either way, you're meant to play these hills over and over again, unlock different bikes over time. But it's like really relaxing and really fun. They've got like nature sounds going through the whole thing. It's very, it's like low poly. It's not uh, realistic. Um, And it's, uh, I don't know. It's a, it's, I, I recommend it to anybody who just wants like a chill time going down a mountain. It is challenging. Like it's a, it's a pretty difficult game and it can get frustrating at times. But otherwise, I, I don't know. I, I think it's a it was a fun experience. I encourage people to check it out. Yeah, I'll have to take a look. That's on Steam. I think it should be. I was I would be surprised if it's not. It's also on the on the Game Pass. Oh, oh, on the Game Pass. Okay, yeah. cool. Uh, okay, folks, that's gonna wrap us up. 
Uh, thank you so much for joining us here today. And uh, Cato, if people would like to hear more from you, where should they go? I'm going to be streaming on Twitch on Tuesday, uh, Tuesdays every week. And I'm on twitch.tv slash Set. Right now we're going through some of Baldur's Gate. We're going through at least the beginning of the first Baldur's Gate game. You're going to keep going on the first um, one? I think I'm going to keep going for a little while. I don't have a computer that can stream three right now. So I'm getting the, I'm planning on getting the 10 or, or not 10, 30, 70, 60. Okay. I, don't, I don't remember which one I put a hold on, but, um, or a reminder, but I plan on getting the one that comes out on October 15th. Okay. So I'm going to order that. Um, and I'm going to build a new computer about it. So that might take one, maybe two more weeks of, of the first Baldur's Gate. And then I'll probably jump over to Baldur's Gate three. Okay, uh, so then, uh, folks, thegamingobserver.com slash newsletter. That's where you can find the daily updates. Otherwise, thank you so much for joining us, and until next time, happy gaming, everyone. Happy gaming, everyone.